0: 803 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Halford and Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of accurate dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari accurate dealer today.
1: I love the metal. (laughs) He's got Murph coming up.
0: Hour three of the program, which will feature Metal Murph, Dan Murphy here in just a few moments from San Jose. Uh, Hour three of the program is brought to you by Campbell and Pound, real estate appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell pound.com today. Finally, uh, I will let you know that what we learns are coming up at 8 30. That is also the time that Andy is going to select today's entrant into the scenic rush, sea to sky, exotic driving experience. So, what this is three hours, four supercars to Sky Highway, Vancouver, Squamish, Squamish, Vancouver. Features a Lamborghini, a Ferrari, a Corvette, a Porsche. Just a few of the many cars that I have in my expansive garage. A beetle. Beetle. <laughs> it fits right in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so if you want to be entered into the contest, we're going to announce the winner on Friday. We need a winner from today. Uh, Andy has not selected the winner already. Usually he does it at 6.01 a.m. and just get it out of the way, but... Uh, he has not selected a winner yet, so everyone is still up for grabs on this thing. Text to 650-650. That is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Hashtag it WWL. What did you learn over the last 24 hours in sports? And then just put a little car emoji in your text to be entered into the grand prize draw. Got it? Great. Let's go to San Jose now. We are joined by Sportsnet's very own Dan Murphy here on the Halford and Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Murph?
2: Herbie the love bug?
0: That is one of the supercars. Yes. Yeah, it's the well, per- it Night Rider. We, oh, we we did this exercise earlier with Wish. We can do it again now. Do you his, have a, his name? His you? name was Kit. Yeah, we did. Yeah, oh, his, his name was Kit. Someone yelled at Jason and called him a troglodyte yeah. for not knowing that. I knew it. Uh, I just didn't mention it. A troglodyte. I couldn't remember that. Um,
2: and I, I don't think. I don't think we put the General Lee in there anymore, do we? Because I think it, it got
0: canceled. flag. Yeah, yeah, it got canceled. It would a cool was car, a but general. the flag is very very troublesome. Do you
3: think any of those cars knew Airwolf? The like would they would they run in the same circles or
0: you you're talking about the helicopter. Yeah, yeah. Right. Nah my brain had forgot about Airwolf.
3: <laughs> oh, Airwolf. That was like the best uh opening sequence. The music and the airwolf. We've got to find that. We
0: gotta find them. Uh, the A
2: team the A team just had a van, right? Yep.
0: Yeah, they had a van. Yeah. Uh there was that and then Andy's choice was the DeLorean, correct? Andy? Andy. Andy says don't talk to me. What right about now. Tony
3: Danza's blue van in Who's the Boss?
0: That's a good one too. <laughs> a lot of vans. <laughs> A lot of vans <laughs> in the 80s. I don't know what was the deal. Okay, so, oh, the, oh Scooby-Doo's Mystery Machine? That was a van. Yeah. A lot of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then, uh, I like how you have to Google this stuff. It just doesn't come from memory, does it? No. What are you just no. like? Yeah.
3: yeah. Alfred. It's just, like just Googles it. everything. Well, 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 how did you survive before the internet?
2: I'm well, sorry and, that well, I'm well, trying then, to have a car. Well, in, the real, <laughs> in the real cars, like Tom Selleck had the Ferrari and Maggi P.I. Yeah. That was iconic, that one.
3: Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right, Murph, I feel like all we're right. trying have to... Have a great day. Yeah, great right. job. Good Take talk. care. Have a good time down in San Jose. <laughs> uh, all right, Murph, um, I've. we were talking earlier about the Canucks and how they did show some resilience in coming back against the Montreal Canadiens, but uh, that hasn't been something that they've shown a lot of this season. There have been some blown leads. There have been some third periods where they just didn't show up. Um, so I suppose it was a good sign, but... Are you kind of like me and a lot of the listeners where you're kind of getting tired of asking the question, like, can they build off this?
2: (laughs) I think it's, I mean, I, I I mean, I don't know how many times you ask it. I mean, I've had to ask it before. And, you know, is this something that uh, a win like this, can it mean more than other wins type of thing? Right. I mean, you're going to ask those questions. And, And I should say too, Jason, that, you know, I think four times in the last 13 or 14 days now, they've come from behind in the third period to win. So it wasn't just Montreal, although that was the most shocking, right? I mean, because they did it in Colorado, they did it against Arizona, they did it against Montreal, and I think San Jose. Last time we were in San Jose, they were behind in the third period, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's been four times in less than two weeks that they've done it, so we have to give them a little bit of credit there. Sure. Um, but not exactly a who's who, uh, except for Colorado, of, of teams that they're beating. Um, you know, I, I think that. I mean, obviously, it's a great sign. Um, Montreal's defense is, is you know, uh, I'm going to say weak, especially with Savard. But give them credit. Down four, nothing, didn't quit. Uh, I I did like the the fact that Garland hardly celebrated when he made it four-one. Uh, you could tell that when they got the life to make it four-two that they believed. And then in the third, uh, it was kind of the opposite of what we've seen this year. Instead of the Canucks collapsing and blowing multiple lead, it was another team at the hands of the Canucks. So you have to give them credit for being able to do it. And then even though they did surrender uh, those two goals kind of late, uh, they were able to tie it and and win it in the extra time. And uh, I'm not sure we would have seen that earlier this season. So, you know, maybe there is something to it, but I just don't think, you know, uh, a team like Vancouver that surrenders so many goals seemingly at will is still in any position to really make any sort of a run uh, to relevance.
0: Murph, you're around the team. You're with the team. You traveled with them last night to San Jose. What have the last sort of 72 to 96 hours been like in terms of covering Brock Besser in that whole situation?
2: <laughs> you know what? I'm a little bit biased. I like uh, Brock a lot. He's kind of the – I guess he's kind of the, the first kind of shining light of the rebuild. Would he not be, right, coming out of, uh, you know, 2011, 2012 – he was kind of the first player picked uh, in the first round. We went, okay, here's one of the next building blocks. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's been, uh, there's no question it's been tough for him. He doesn't show a lot of emotion uh, most of the time, right, when you see him. I mean, obviously he did at the end of last season, the press conference. And I think he's fairly honest with it. But I think it's, it's been difficult. There's no question. I don't think he wants to go anywhere. Uh, to be healthy, scratched. I'm sure you guys have discussed it at nauseum. I truly believe that you know Bruce Boudreaux had no idea it was Hockey Fights Cancer night, or that Brock was going to wear dad's, yeah. you know, the, his dad's name on his jersey. Like, there's no chance he knew that. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been def- difficult for Brock. I think he was uh, quite pleased with the way Saturday night turned out, considering the way the day started. Uh, but you know, I think he's aware of what's going on. I think he knows that this management group is looking to move salary, and I think that.
1: He has
2: been, before this management group, uh, one of the names that always kind of comes up for a player to move if you're looking to get cap space or find a defenseman. So it's nothing new to him, but I don't think that makes it uh, any easier for him when it resurfaces time and time again.
3: Is there any urgency to resolving the Brock Besser situation? Because the Canucks do have a number of other issues that have to get solved by the trade deadline. Bo Horvat... Kuzmenko, uh, the other pending UFA's, Luke Shen, and Kyle Burrows, like those are guys they have to make a decision on. With Brock Besser, it might, in theory, be best just to wait until the off season, where when yeah. other people have other teams have have more cap space, and and maybe Brock's had a bit of a um, a resurgence, uh, so his value isn't as low as it is. Right now, um, but but the the other the other part of it would be if you know Brock is so upset or there's something else going on. Do you think the Canucks can backburner the Brock Besser situation?
2: Absolutely. I mean, I think probably it's wise to do that. Why would you Why would you sell an asset when it's at close to its lowest value? I just it doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, unless this management group thinks this team can claw into the playoffs and do something, which I don't think. There's any way you can look at it rationally and think that they can. Um, you know, you're, you're without your goaltender, and I know that Demco's had his problems this season, but the ceiling with Demco around is much higher than it is with Spencer Martin, and he's been great for this team. So I, I don't know why you would worry about players you have under contract right now and really making room salary wise when it's not going to make much of a difference for this season, I don't believe. And you have to believe that management sees that too. So uh, I definitely think if you were to you know, rank them in order, I mean, Bo Horvat is still number one on this list of, of needing to figure it out. Now, if you absolutely need to move salary from a Besser or a Garland to get the signing of Horvat done, I guess that's a different question. If one you know helps you do the other uh, sooner rather than later, then maybe that's the argument that could be made. But I, I you know, I would not be uh, selling low on these guys at this point.
0: How
3: valuable is Luke Shen to this organization?
2: I mean, I think he's very valuable, but, um, you know, if, you know, considering his age, um, considering the value he might have to other teams around the league for a playoff run, considering the fact he's won a couple of cups in a role as a six and seven, uh, considering he is a glue guy and a physical guy and a big guy in the playoffs, they seem to be more valuable. I absolutely think you have to look at trading him too. You know Why wouldn't you? I mean, if this is a team that needs to get assets, uh, needs to get you know, draft picks and draft capital, uh, and he's one of those guys that teams is going to target, uh, I absolutely think you have to look at moving him. Um, and, and maybe you can bring him back in the offseason? Who knows? Uh, but this team is in no position not to think about selling everyone uh, that might be worth some value, especially people on expect, expiring contracts.
3: Do you think the Canucks will ever get to a point – Maybe this season, uh, maybe at the trade deadline, when Jim Rutherford, Patrick Galvin comes out and says, listen, we got to take more of a long-term approach with this team. And we got to acknowledge that maybe next season doesn't, and they wouldn't put it like this, but next season doesn't matter all that much. And that we are willing to take a step back because in the last decade, there's never been that
2: acknowledgement. I don't know. I mean, I don't, I, I, I think a lot of fans would like to hear that. Right. I mean, you just saw Montreal come to town. Uh, What's the other team that most recently did something like that? I guess the Rangers, not that long ago. I think sometimes you have to acknowledge that where you are um, is not good enough. Uh, Trying to retool, rebuild, whatever on the fly is not working uh, trying to bring in players that might be a couple years ahead uh, of you know guys that are 18, 19, you know, bringing these players that are 22, 23, 24, has not worked um, for this team. They, they've kind of been you know, spinning their wheels. And I'm not going to lay this all on Alvin and, and Rutherford. Uh, I do think the Miller signing was a little perplexing, considering everything they had said prior to that um so that's one thing I was a little and then I'm going out and spending money on more forwards uh so doubling down i i think considering what they said prior to the off season uh is a little weird um but I really do believe that you know the franchise was really dealt a blow with the o e l garland trade and that move under Benning uh because they were so close to getting out of seller Cap hell and to go back in into it. Uh, really you know, cost this team, I believe, Uh, and they're suffering for it right now. So I don't know if they'll say that. I think that a lot of people feel like that's what has to happen. Um, You need to be in a position where you have money or you have draft picks uh, to really make steps forward. And people bring up guys like Devontae's, right? You need to have two seconds to make that work. And all of a sudden, what does a player like that do for you in terms of getting you back to relevance? A lot. So I hope they make that realization. I just think it's a lot easier said than done in terms of trying to move out salary in this day and age.
3: Finally, are the Seahawks going to make the
2: playoffs, Murph? Oh, my God. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think San Fran, we believe, is going to win the division, even if we don't even know what their quarterback's name is half the time now.
3: (laughs) Brock Purdy's Um,
2: Chocolates. Yes, uh, because their defense is so good. I will say this, that I'm, I'm fully invested in the making the playoffs now. And if you yes. had said that to me at the start of the season, I would have said you were crazy. Mm-hmm. But I was so fired up with that win on Sunday. Um, you know, I was yelling at the, end of the, at the end of the game. And that's a fandom that doesn't come out very much. So I hope they do. Um, I, 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 now I'm going to say I'll be disappointed if they don't. And that's a dangerous position to be in, <laughs> as you know.
3: Oh, yeah. No, hope always works <laughs> out for me in sports. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, England! I'm sure they won't well, disappoint.
2: How about, how about the end of the game on uh, on on Monday? I'll just say this: so I'm I'm leaving upstairs. Mm-hmm. It's five four Vancouver, so I'm going down to the Canucks walk off position. I get to down to the bottom of the elevator. It's five five. <laughs> I'm walking around the basement to to get to the spot. It's six five. So I'm running back to the Montreal Canadian side of things, and then the Canucks go six six. I run back all the way back to round to the uh, the Canucks side of things. So. Uh, finishes like that. Uh, I got my steps in, and so did Dom because he was forced to run the opposite side of me uh, at that point.
3: That's that's uh, why you nice work experience. out, Murph. That's why that's, that's
0: why you stay in shape for moments exactly. like that, and it works out. exactly. All right, thanks, yeah. buddy. Enjoy thanks, the Murph. trip. Okay, boys. See you, uh, Dan Murphy, Sportsnet's very own from San Jose, here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Murph uh, on Sportsnet 650 was brought to you by Freeway Mazda, Canada's number one consumer rated Mazda dealer. Okay. Got a lot to get to here. Uh, Someone, unsigned texter, has astutely pointed out that there has been a player recently who signed an extension and then was traded while the signing extension team retained money. What's more, the Canucks were involved in that deal. It was the Ethan Bear trade. Bear was traded just three months after signing extension with Carolina, and they retained some salary there. So there you go.
3: A lot of other people have uh, texted in Phil Kessel signed a long-term extension um, with the Toronto Maple Leafs in October of 2013. And that would have been when Dave Nonis was the general manager. Yeah. And here's the quote. Phil Kessel is one of the premier wingers and elite goal scorers in the NHL. He wanted to be a Maple Leaf long-term, and we're very pleased that Phil will be part of our core group of players in Toronto uh, until the 2021-22 season, of course. He was traded to the Pittsburgh Penguins two years later, two two years later, but the Leafs went through that big hole, like, Hey, Mm -hmm. what's happening right here isn't working. They had that acknowledgement. Like we can't keep doing this. We can't keep operating the same way. So they said, all right, some of the decisions that we made, even if this organization made these decisions a short time ago, we need to change. We need to change direction.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
3: and that's what they did.
0: God, I forgot. There's some really, really good ones. And by good ones, I mean bad ones. Ryan Spooner? Yeah. I, forgot. Yeah. I remember then he played for the Canucks. I forgot. Was that, that.
1: the Sam Gagne trade? Yeah. Right. I forgot about that. That was kind Ryan of like Spooner. bad money for bad that money. That was around though. the VC time, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. The VC, God, the, VC days, time.
0: the VC chapters. That was bad. Mark Michaelis. Isn't he doing great somewhere else? I, I read somewhere. Jimmy VC. V- I don't know. G- VC's back in New, you New York. He did, didn't do great here. No, he was he was Mark Michaelis. But it's so Will you shocking to say those words again.
1: VC did nothing while he was here. No, the nothing. fact that he's having success anywhere in any league, yeah. Is if you surprising.
0: had to guess, how many games did Ryan Spooner play for the Canucks?
1: Fifty? Twenty-five?
0: Eleven. Is that it? Eleven? <laughs> eleven games. No way. Mm. No way. I'm looking at the thing with the thing. I'm. I. I don't know what to tell you. He played eleven games for the Canucks. That's it. I don't. All those years, the the sea of Grandlin years were such a blur for guys that came and left.
1: How many did VC play?
0: I would say twenty. Bang on. Yeah. yeah. That felt longer. Uh, he had three <laughs> points, three
1: assists in those twenty games. He's got eight points in twenty six games with the Rangers.
0: There were just year. so many guys that just came and went, right? Like you know, two ships passing in the night. It's like Ryan Spooner going this way, and then Jimmy VC going this way. And you, briefly, they were teammates on the Canucks. Do
3: you remember that same season we had that conversation? Like, how many games do you think Tim Schaller has played for the Canucks this season? And it was the opposite because people couldn't believe that he'd played
0: 47 games for them. He was a – contribu- like 47 games? He was a contributing member of society that year. He played a lot. He just is there. He wasn't contributing much. He, he was a member of society. He was. A me- yeah, that's true. Just a member. And I remember <laughs> – I remember thinking – like I I had the philosophical question like what is Tim Schaller? What what does he represent really? Like he's just out there kind of hanging the around. Schrodinger's cat. Here is here's yeah.
3: Here's, yeah. A, here's a tough trivia question. Okay. Which team does Tim Schaller currently play for? It is not in the NHL.
1: <sighs> Zurich.
0: <laughs> no.
3: In Switzerland. No. Is he a KHL guy? No. He is in the AHL currently playing for Milwaukee. The oh, Admirals,
0: the Goodland. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I forgot. Yeah. Remember they made him a day one. Free he only agency? played
3: target. He only played two games for the L.A. Kings, and he hasn't played. I remember in the, in the NHL since. I mean, we're not trying to. We're not trying to uh, make fun of Tim Schaller here, but it is remarkable how many players have come through the Vancouver Canucks organization, and that is essentially
0: last stop for them. Last stop saloon. Yeah. Josh Levo. What's he doing these days? Is he still kicking around. I think he's in Carolina's organization. Remember when? We, remember when Josh Levo got out of Babcock prison, mm-hmm. and, and then he was going to be like a great player for the Canucks. If, if injuries... I didn't even mind Josh Levo for the no. Canucks. He was fine. I he was okay, he couldn't skate, but uh, I thought he was he was he was a decent. Is player. Is this the kind of
1: situation for Curtis Lazar right now?
0: No, like I, he I don't think so. a bit I don't more? like Lazar. Uh, Lazar, God, I don't want to throw him in the sea of grand. Ole no, no, because so, yeah, he's I been like to Lazar. Buffalo.
1: He's been to Boston. He's kind of bounced around a little bit. Yeah.
0: They locked. Well, they've got a term commitment to them. These three years, right? I mean, all the, the problem with all these other guys were when you talk about last chance saloon. Here's the thing about the last chance saloon: you don't stay there very long, right? You kind of you, you, you check in and you have a beer, and then isn't you, this a song? You do, yeah, and then you get shot by a cowboy or. a a jilted ex-lover. That's Mm -hmm. the last chance. You just use it as
1: a springboard to another opportunity. Or you
0: die there. Or that's it. Which is a lot of Canucks have done that, right? I mean, this is the place where... Luke Shen
1: tried to do it and he went to Tampa and then he got reeled back in.
0: He's the only one that actually came back to the last (laughs) chance saloon for a second last chance. The analogy doesn't really hold up with Luke Shen. Everyone else is kind of – you're looking at all these guys now, aren't you?
3: Oh, Ross and Richmond text in, nothing is worse than the Jason Megna and Michael Chaput days. Jason Megna just got picked up on waivers.
0: He, Yeah, Jason Megna's like cockroaches. Like He's never dying, always yeah. living. He'll just be in the NHL for forever. Dakota Joshua belongs in the Sea of Grand That's from Doug and Watson. The jury's still out on that one, Doug, but you're right. Th- Dakota Joshua could end up just being a guy. Yeah. That he was here for a year. You kind of remember him, not unlike a lot of these other guys in the Sea of Granla, but he's got Sea of Granla potential.
3: Luke and Abbotsford. Bruff, I get the logic behind you saying it might be best to wait until the off season to get a better return for Brock Besser, but that mentality is why the Canucks are where they are. They need to shed the kick-the-can-down-the-road mentality and pick up a bias for action. It's funny because I kind of got ripped for saying the opposite yesterday and the timing of how they go forward on these deals will be interesting. Um, I know Halford loves it when I bring up, uh, like Warren Buffett stuff, but I was watching an interview with Warren Buffett, who is a great investor and his right hand man, Charlie Munger, and he, they were talking about the bad investments that they've made and the one lesson that they've learned about bad investments. Get out of them as soon as you can. See, I disagree. Get out of them as soon as you can.
0: My philosophy is when there's bad money, is you throw more money at it to make it better, and that's why you're the second best investor in the world. I'm a Charlie Munger. Yeah, I'm your Charlie. Do you own a boat? Uh, yeah, I feel like you'd be a great
1: boat. Mike invests I in always, pumpkins on November 1st. <laughs> <laughs> my,
0: that, yeah, that's funny you mentioned that because anytime we talk about like scoring it rich or opulence, my mind always goes to yacht and everyone is like, that's the wrong answer. Don't do that. Those are the worst. Well,
3: the worst would be if it's like
0: jet ski. Yeah, I don't the, the know.
3: Jet, is that how many uh, how many first time lotto winners? They're like, I'm getting a jet ski, right? Because not and only I'm putting <laughs> it in the driveway to show off to the neighbors. Not
0: only does it go down <laughs> in value right away, you can also <laughs> injure yourself horribly while using it. That's a good investment. That's a sound investment strategy. Okay, coming up on the Halford and Brough Show on SportsNet Six Fifty. Uh, we got a lot more to get to. We're gonna do what we learned, humanoid edition. Uh, we're also gonna announce Wednesday's entrant. Into the scenic rush exotic car bonanza. I'm just coming up with new words for this thing all the time. Uh, You get to drive Porsche, Ferrari, Corvette. A Beetle apparently got thrown into the mix up the Sea to Sky Highway. Anyway, hashtag your what we learned, WWL, and then add a car emoji. You'll be entered in to be Wednesday's winner for the grand prize draw, which will go on Friday.
3: Ooh, Airwolf. Airwolf. Airwolf? Airwolf's coming out of his uh, volcano or
0: whatever. I I think that's where he slept. Okay, we're going to listen to Airwolf on the way out. Halford Brough, Sportsnet 650. Time now for Sportsnet 650 traffic from the City News 1130 Air Patrol. Now for my favorite part of the show. What does that say? Talk to the audience. Oh God, this is always death. Eight thirty-two on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet. Six fifty. Halford and Bruff. The morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound, real estate appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. You can do so by visiting them on the internet at Campbell-Pound.com today. Airwolf really struck a chord with the listeners. We played a little Airwolf yeah, going it's good, to break. It's one
3: there. of the great TV songs
0: of the eighties. Yeah. You know what? Like, uh, I'm not all I actually have very few, almost no memories of Airwolf, which is weird because it was in the same genre as all you the, yeah, would have been really young. All right? the other schlocky eighty pro eighties programs. I hey, think. Whoa, I, whoa, whoa! Eh. It's not quite like I remember Danger Bay distinctly, but I'm sure that's because it had such a
1: local flair to it. Mm-hmm. Right? Can we go one show without a Danger Bay reference?
0: I lo- Danger Bay was a good, like, it was a good premise. Like every show, it was a at good all. show. It had wholesome values. Yeah, does it need was, to be brought up every show? We could try. <laughs> Um, and then I be- didn't know you'd get into so many fist
3: fights working for the aquarium, yeah, but you
0: thought it was a docile job Doc- in environment. Doc
3: Roberts found a way.
0: He was an angry guy. <laughs> <laughs> you would if be you too, the problem. around these fish all day. You would be too. If Look the, inward. If the, if the, the environment was collapsing around you. You'd be <laughs> fighting left and right anyway. Uh, okay. We're, we're going to do our, what we learns now. Uh, do do we want to do one? Do uh, Andy left, which is a he out. Yeah, good timing for him. So I, I'm going to say no. He doesn't have a what we learned. Do you have one? No. Let's Laddie, just go right, right to the listeners. Do you just want to go right to the listeners? Yeah. Uh, you any m- baseball stuff.
1: I was going to do the jo- Joey Chestnut. That's
0: Joey Chestnut ate a bunch of pierogies. Yeah, yeah. He, he ate
1: more than the rest of the competition combined. <laughs> at a yeah, he's a, game. he's a big eater.
0: There's no way that like, you can't. He's not. like you can't be healthy later in life doing what he's doing. Right? There's no way.
3: No, I don't think so. You're
0: you're you're consciously doing harm, mm-hmm. right? You can't eat like 97 progies in a sitting. He prepares himself though. He gets himself. But I to eat. I feel like that. How prepara-
3: do you prepare yourself to nearly kill yourself with food? You, you eat lots of lettuce. Expand your
0: stomach you? slightly beforehand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Apparently, uh-huh. it's lots of lettuce. Yeah, there you go, lettuce because it's water based Okay. and it expands. The trick don't- to it. Yeah, I, I, think I feel like
3: I only want to talk about.
0: He's done throat loosening the, techniques? I, I okay. He has. What? Uh, well, how do you cram all that stuff down there without doing some loosening techniques? Oh. I don't know. You tell me. It just seems like something you'd have to do. I only want to talk about Joey Chestnut on, what is it, 4th of oh, July? Get some help. Uh, no. Even then, I don't really want to talk about him. Yeah, uh, okay. I, I watched about six minutes of the 30 for 30 with him and Kobayashi. And I was like, this is a lot of time and effort invested into these two individuals. Travesty that
1: Kobayashi can't be there.
0: It's not. It's none of it's a (laughs) travesty. It's travesty that both of them make a living, and a good living, just (laughs) eating aggressive amounts of food.
3: Yeah, a lot of people just do that as a hobby.
0: Yeah, right? And they just, I mean, and neither of them are fat. Mm -hmm. That should be a rule. If you're, like, the top of the competitive eating mountain, you should be a gigantic person. Yeah. Right. That's part slovenly. of the that's
3: that's part of like selling the sizzle too, right? I wash
0: myself with a rag on a stick. Like,
3: like you should look like King Kong Bundy.
0: Yeah, I think so. Don't you think? Yeah, yeah. Right down to the singlet. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're out there performing for people, you should have to wear a costume.
3: Okay, let's go to listeners here, Matt Fine. and Burnaby. What we learned: three years of the Iser plan, when compared to a decade of Canucks management, shows just how incompetent this franchise has been. Uh, yeah, we, and I think this probably um, comes as a result of mentioning that if the playoffs were to start today, the Toronto Maple Leafs would play Detroit mm-hmm. in the first round. Now, there's no guarantee that that continues. There's also no guarantee that Dylan Larkin is a Red Wing long-term. He's still a pending unrestricted free agent, so he's in the same boat as Bo Horvat. the Horvat of the East. He's the Horvat of the East. I, I think the Red Wings are probably going to find a way to keep him, but that—that that was one of the names that going into the season. I was kind of like, "Wow, well, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that the Red Wings didn't find a way to lock him up long term in the off season." And I have to admit, I haven't been following this closely, so I don't know the ins and outs of it. But until he's signed long term, like you do wonder about that, and you uh, yeah. do wonder if they'll need to get that figured out by the trade deadline, because Steve Iserman, to me, mm-hmm. seems like the type of ruthless operator yep. that would be like, alright, well, if you're not going to sign for the number that we have in mind for you, we have a plan, and we're not going to diverge from that
0: plan, we're going to trade you. See you, Dylan. Yeah, he is having a, I mean, he's having a good good year. Like, oh, I he's a
3: really good player.
0: The app, the, the, the Horvat. Comparison like the Horvat of the East is apt because he's better than a point a game player, right? And they've had to pick up some of the slack because uh, Tyler Bertuzzi's out now
1: long term. Maybe Iserman's just jealous. I will be the most beloved captain. In yeah, Red that's true. Actually. You're out of here. No
0: one can ever challenge. Yeah. We had that conversation with Katsunaika one time, talking about who was more beloved by Red Wings fans, whether it was Iserman or Lidstrom. Mm hmm. And he said, like it was. It actually ended up being it, it was Eiserman just because of the captaincy. Like he was the captain, even yeah. though they acknowledged that Lidstrom was the better player, made the, the best defenseman of all time. They just there was something which different. is a hell
3: of a thing because Eiserman was a great, yeah, great like player. I, And
0: this is in no way meant to diminish like Steve Eiserman's playing yeah. status, but he was just the captain. It was just he just hit different. Red
3: Wings have had a few good players over the years. We'll put it a there. couple incredible uh, Ron, in What we learned: Canada was in the group of death of the World Cup, grouped with two teams that made it to the quarterfinals and Belgium. Yeah, Belgium doesn't even get through, but Croatia and, more surprisingly, I think Morocco, still alive. Morocco was the only team that pulled the upset in the round of 16. Hmm. If you looked at all eight games in the round of 16, they all had the traditional power versus a Team that wasn't necessarily considered that maybe even they, they used to be like Poland went up against uh who did they play? Did they play France? France, right? And, and and so, but so Spain versus Morocco was the only game where the favorite or the perennial power didn't get through.
0: Yeah, Morocco played great, full marks to them. I believe it's the first Arabic country to ever make the quarterfinals. Mm-hmm. Uh, Africa has not had anyone from the region get there since, I want to say 2006. It's been a while. Yeah, And you look at how the tournament shook out. It's funny because going into the round of 16, this tournament was being lauded as the most worldly of the World Cups. Never before had six of the 16 not been from, uh, or sorry, had been from outside uh, South America and Europe. But all of them fell by the wayside. I, I did get an interesting theory run past me the other day A lot of them say, a lot of the the journalists that follow these particular countries and the national teams have said that there's so much emphasis on getting out of the group that almost all of the strategy and planning goes into that. Mm -hmm. And then when you get to the round of 16, it's not necessarily that you don't have the ability to play with these teams, but you're just not prepared in the same way. Whereas a lot of these other countries, are you fatigued at all mentally? Yeah, it's it's yeah. you know mentally and, fatigued. And for sure. there, there is a, definitely a sense of accomplishment. Yes, where there's going to be an inevitable letdown. Like, is you, that
3: where you have to sometimes hand it to a manager like Gareth Southgate, who just knows how to progress through these tournaments?
0: Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of countries he gets a lot
3: of criticism. Is why yeah. I uh, is why I mention it. And we watched that England USA game, and we were just like, this is just gross this is just a this is awful something that nil nil
0: draw in the end you know like Canada would have loved a nil nil draw something that the emerging countries and I'll put Canada in there well that they're going to have to learn that a lot of the more experienced powerhouse countries have learned is that tournament football is a very real thing Mm -hmm. and that sometimes it's not about how you look it's about what you do because in yeah. and, and Canada was a prime example is because I think Canada thought the performance was going to trump all when the reality was that there was so much more that went into a match. I could go on about this for days because there's a great article and piece about the Japanese team mm-hmm. and how they've really been at the cutting edge in the forefront of changing formations and strategies within a match just to get what they need out of a match. Right. And I mean, they had an unbelievable group where they beat Germany and Spain, but you look at the way that they beat them they would flip really quickly to a new formation, almost score rapidly, and then drop back to a more defensive shell. So there's something about tournament football that a lot of countries need to learn.
3: Chris from Nanaimo, what we learned is this Canucks fan base loves and adores their grinder type team guys so much that we tend to overvalue value them to the point it's unfathomable we trade them at their highest value to make the team better. I would hate to see Luke Shen go, but a second round pick if that's the pick you can get, is way better for the future than Luke Shen is. Uh, so Chris will be entered into the draw for the ride up to Whistler, Sea to Sky, Squamish, Squamish, Squamish. Uh, in a supercar.
0: Yes, Lamborghini, Porsche, Corvette, Beetle, Scenic Rush. Scenic Rush is the company. Yes. So we're gonna do the grand prize draw on Friday. Congrats to Chris. Um,
3: and yeah, listen, I, I, I think. I think most Canucks fans see it um, realistically, see the situation realistically. They like players like Luke Shin, and they look at this roster and go, we need more guys like this, not just physically tough, but also great teammates and great character guys. No, Guys that have been on winning teams before that appreciate what it takes to win. I mean, how many people out there enjoyed when Luke Shen called out JT Miller on the ice? I I don't think there were many people criticizing Luke Shen for doing that. We didn't receive any texts into the Dunbar Lumber text line going, how how dare Luke Shen do that in public? If you want to settle your business, you do that in the dressing room, not out on the ice. Above all, Fans want to know that the players playing for their team care as much about the team and the logo as the fans do, right? And sometimes you get the feeling that they don't.
0: Uh, Dean and Langley, hashtag WWL, what we learned, despite moving on from past general managers, known as to Gillis to Benning, and coaches, torts to Willie to Travis and Bruce, I've learned The cohesive team philosophy has eluded the organization since 2011 and has been the underlying reason why the team has not been close to winning the cup since then. Hey, it's interesting, right? Because you talk about the different regime changes, and you ran through a lot of them there. I'll tell you, go to the Vancouver of the East, Buffalo. We are inextricably tied to Buffalo. Buffalo went through four general managers in seven years. They went through countless head coaches. I lost track. I think it's about eight or nine. And it does whittle away your core beliefs and your core identity, meaning what are we? Because when you have someone come in every few years and reset and reshape and reshift the organization, you can really lose your way. Mm -hmm. Right? Say what you will about a lot of these NFL um, organizations that have had like one family in charge for a long time or they've had a really older, almost like a monarchy. Yeah. But those franchises have, and it it sounds schlocky and corny and everything, but they have like core understandings of what they want to be, the players they want to draft, the style of play they want to implement, Mm -hmm. right? Those are the ones that usually are successful over a long period of time, or at the very least, have a real clear vision when people come in or when players come in. The Canucks lost their way a number of years ago and they haven't found their way back. Right. What I'm saying is, is, if you keep chasing, you can go down a real dangerous road yeah. where you, you're you all of a sudden, you're like, I'm not sure what we are. Like, I don't know what the Canucks are organizationally right now. Mm-hmm. And, when you, and when you get people coming in at different times as well, yeah. you've got,
3: oh, wait a minute. These guys are loyal to this guy. I know these guys are loyal to this guy. Yeah. Um, and that's why I think this team needs a reset. Yeah. It just needs a complete reset. They and should you co- start yeah. from the top down. And you let the person in charge, and that's Jim Rutherford, he is the president of Hockey Ops, set everything. And 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 listen, that's the only way to do it. It is the only way to do it. The owner's most important job is to hire the leader of Hockey Ops and yep. to make sure that that leader of Hockey Ops is the right person, and then you give autonomy to that thing. So there is one important thing that the owner does, mm-hmm. and that is hire the top guy and then let that person run everything and let that person get alignment and let that person make all the decisions that that person needs to make and give all the resources to that person to do that stuff. Yeah. And and then you see how it shakes out. Mm-hmm. But the problem is everything has been done. So herky jerky, like, okay, wait a minute. Well, now wait a minute. The last time the owner hired the coach yeah. and then the coach comes in and there is an alignment with, the 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 president of hockey ops that that you hired after you hired the coach I understand why it all went down but it still went down and then the president of hockey ops is sitting there going wait a minute I thought this coach was here only here for a year now we got the coach okay well I'm going to go and criticize the coach then like it's very messy mm-hmm. it's very very messy and I think that's why the Canucks need to go all right guys let's step back here and reset this thing
0: completely. I yeah, you know what? I and this is kind of far afield, but it ties back into the identity thing. I've always found it interesting that the organization doesn't lead more, lean more into the Swedishness of it all. I've al- I, I just feel like at this stage the thing thinking about, it. they hired the first ever Swedish general manager in NHL history. 3 of the retired numbers up top are Swedes. The lineage and history of Swedish players on this team goes back decades. Maybe that's why
1: Luongo didn't get up the Raptors. Because he wasn't Swedish he wasn't
0: enough? Swedish. Uh, <laughs> they're saving it for Mark Sweet- when he goes The Swedes
1: back. are a surprisingly jealous group. <laughs>
0: I'm telling you, man. And then when the Sedins <laughs> eventually take this whole thing over, I want this to be the premier destination for Swedish hockey players. Uh, hopefully, uh, Lakeramaki turns out, because he's going to be a big part of this. If this plan is to go forward, we're going to need him to pan out. Pedersen's already here.
3: You know what? I'm kind of of the opinion that just get smart Hockey people and get good hockey players. Eh,
0: Swedish. We're, on, <laughs> we're we're doing Sweden now. Okay. Do you think if the went on Ancestry.com and found out he had a Swedish ancestor, they'd put him up if they retire his <laughs> jersey? Then. Ha-
3: Halford's, Halford's like, I'm going to paint myself into a corner, yeah. and I'm going to build a hockey team, but I'm only going to use one nationality yeah. to just do one. it. Yeah, just, just one. one. No, oh, and I think Don tried that with. We the, will also uh, be an, yeah. ice dogs, <laughs> We have to also <laughs> be. Out. We have to be aggressive. Did he go all
0: sweets? <laughs> yeah. We have to be aggressively unfinished as well, so we have to get rid oh, of it. Oh, yeah, that. totally. You know what I mean? Like You really have to lean into it. <laughs> you can't just go like tiptoe in.
3: Uh, Craig the renter, with a, what we learned, even pro athletes like Brian Burnham can't afford to live in Vancouver. Yeah, I think probably a lot of people with their interview with Brian Burnham were like, wow, like he would love to stay in Vancouver, but he can't afford to.
0: Yeah. Uh, I You know, it's, Again, I feel that. Everyone knows, like, I mean, the CFL's a little different, right? Like, I don't, I don't think you get paid year round. I'm supposed you can defer your salary over. 12. Yeah, but he was making six figures here, right? Like, I know, but, but he's,
3: but going forward, he, you know, he he said to us, like, I don't know what I'm gonna do now. I'm getting my master's, so yeah. I don't know what I'm gonna do. And, uh, you know, it is expensive when you've got to come up with that with that amount of money just for a down payment. He might not have that. This this city's, I mean, it is. Insane how expensive it is to live in this city. Now I think house prices are going to come down a little bit, but then you combine it. But then you combine it with the fact that interest rates are going up, and I don't know. I don't think affordability improves much in Tulsa, Oklahoma,
0: where Brian Burnham currently is.
3: My favorite First Forty Eight
0: location, First Forty Eight Tulsa. Yeah, yeah. I don't watch as many of those as I used to.
3: I find them quite depressing. They're, dark. Actually. Yeah. They're
0: quite dark. It's almost like the first 48 hours of a murder investigation are not uplifting.
3: Have you heard the Tom Segura bit about it? No. He's like, and if you don't know about the first 48, the first 48's theory is if they don't solve a murder after 48 hours, they uh, give up. Yeah,
0: I do. I remember, <laughs> yeah. It's like, these first two days are real crucial because we don't work on the third one. No, I I, I have seen that bit, actually. I forgot. Okay, so um, Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, the median listing home price for a detached home in October of this year was $239,000. So it would stand to reason that house prices in Tulsa are a little bit more affordable than in Vancouver. What is the median price again? (laughs) $239,000. For the median uh, listing home price. Do you, in Tulsa. do you guys?
3: Do any of you guys? And I'm going to bring in the dogs here. Dogs. Um, We're moving to Tulsa, guys. Have Let's you, do it. Have you guys ever gone on to the the real estate sites and searched in other NHL cities? For oh, yeah. example, I remember when uh, Pekka Rene either bought or sold a house in Nashville, and it was eight hundred thousand dollars, and it was a castle. Yeah, he bought a like castle. it was an absolute monster home. I think Tyler Myers- It had a moat. Set some sort of Buffalo real estate record by buying this mansion in Buffalo that was like 1.2, mm-hmm. something along those lines. And listen, I don't want to live in Buffalo. I don't want to live- Well, I could live in Nashville, I guess.
1: Yep.
0: I don't want to live in Tulsa, but the difference is- I could live
1: anywhere if my house had a moat. I think I could live anywhere if I had a moat house.
0: You wouldn't be on the first 48 in Tulsa if you had a moat. No one would be able to get to you. You'd yeah, that's true. You'd be yeah. safe. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Although,
3: I don't know. If you had a moat, you might be number one uh, suspect. I think it's the moat guy. <laughs>
1: I don't what's like that a, guy. He just guy's got to, a dragon sits in on his lawn, yeah. like his walking stick. <laughs> that that <laughs> crocodile alone has taken out at least yeah, what's, that, what's that
0: floating in your moat? Yeah, you didn't see nothing. Move. What
1: does 1.2 get you in Vancouver? A lot. A closet? Uh,
0: <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't get you a lot. The lot is
3: the, 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 the value yeah. in most of the houses. Like, it's all land value. It's not, you know, oh, like, wow. so
0: it's why you get sheds, basically. Like, how oh, are It's <laughs> like... It's it's honestly. Oh, no, I, I, uh, my, my, I had a buddy that he spent his formative twenties in Whistler. He worked at a restaurant and then snowboarded the rest of the time. And they had a townhouse that four of them shared, and then there was a fifth, Dave. And for three hundred bucks a month, he rented out the uh, the closet underneath the stairs. So, <laughs> he was Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't the exact same. Like it was the the vertically. You know, because it goes up. Yeah. So there's the, the small part of your room. And then all his room was, was just a mattress under the stairs on the floor. Mm-hmm. And he was. Happiest
3: time of his the life. The happiest guy mm. I had ever met You don't need a life. lot.
0: Super content. He's mm-hmm. like, no, I got my mattress under the stairs and I'm saving money. And I I'm got like- my door right here. <laughs> yeah. it? it opens up and it closes. I'm like, do you have a light? He's like, no, we're going to build towards that. But it was amazing. And that, that's where I think real estate really peaked was Dave under the stairs. Everything's been well, crappy.
3: I since then. I think so much of the real estate too is there's like this sense of unfairness. Even for me, um I rented the same apartment in Kitsilano for over a decade. I remember. Over a decade I was in that place and it was a great place and I had it like I think my first initial rent would have been something like 900 bucks. Man. So it can only That's go hilarious. up, it, it can, but it can only go up. Here's the Here's the best part. That's not even the best part <laughs> for me. It could only go up by the cost of living based on the rules of increasing rent, right? Like the BC Tenancy Act or whatever it's under. So as I was in there, my rent didn't go up much. So my final year there, I was probably paying about half market value, right? So I'm a guy that was established in my career, I was not paying off student debt or anything like that, and yet I was paying less for my apartment than kids that were coming out of school and going, hey, i got to rent a place because I've got to move out of that, my house. right?" Like, And I always felt a little bit guilty, but also like, I'm not leaving this place. Think how <laughs> much right? garlic
0: like, bread you could buy with all the money you're saving. Yeah,
3: and you know what? I never put up one picture. No.
0: Actually, that's not true. You put up a picture of Junior Felix. Once. A picture of Junior Felix, yeah. yeah which is right. which is appropriate. He had three cups, some garlic bread, and a picture of Junior Felix. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that is the most Bachelor life ever. That is goblin mode, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Okay, we got to go. We got to get out of here for today. The music is playing. Uh, congrats to today's winner. What was his name again? Give it to me. Give it to me. Chris? Give it to me. In Nanaimo? Chris in Nanaimo. I, I hope you win the big draw on Friday. That was an I think you threw on the end there. That's good radio. We got to go. We'll be back tomorrow. Signing off, I have it, Mike Alford. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been A Dog and he's been Laddie. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.
3: Mm-hmm.